right, everybody, welcome to this week's episode of The Rambler. I am your host, Mike McDonald, but you knew that. You knew that if you regularly, regularly tune into the show. Yes, this is a great episode I have for you guys. Uh, this is episode 29. We're getting getting close to, uh, or maybe we're over the halfway mark, I guess. I've, uh, we're, I've been doing this for almost six months, more than six months, which is crazy. It's insane to think about. And anyways, listen, my guest today is Cynthia Gordon Burns, Cindy Burns. And if you haven't heard of Cindy Burns, you must be living under a rock because she made waves in the online social media adoptee circles because she was recently reunited with her birth mother and birth family in the rarest (laughs) of reunion places. And that means it wasn't. Her birth country, which is Korea, by the way. So she didn't go to Korea and get reunited with her birth family in the typical fashion that one usually or in the past has traditionally been. And you're just going to have to listen for more if you haven't already seen her story on CBS News, which it is on CBS News. And if you're on my if you follow my Facebook page, you will have seen it there uh, because I posted about it yesterday just to kind of prime this conversation specifically for you guys, okay? Especially the people who have been living under a rock and haven't seen it. So take the time. It's like a 10-minute piece before listening to this uh, just to get a little bit more familiarized. And uh, you can go check that out on facebook.com slash ADHD. okay? You can enjoy that there. In the meantime, I want to quickly say hello to all my listeners and uh, friends who are going to the ICA gathering out there in Korea, I'm kind of sad. I'm I, like I had no real uh, intentions of going this year to the gathering. Uh, it has been a while since I've spent a significant amount of time in Korea. Uh, I am particularly. Uh, I guess I, I, I would. I'm sad. I'm missing out uh, of going to Korea with a big group of friends and being able to meet a bunch of new friends out in Korea. Uh, however, you know, the flights are expensive and, uh, <laughs> hard to take off time from work. And there's a lot of different factors involved in my not being able to go over there, but to the guys who are going, the gals who are going, uh, have a great time out there. If you're going to the workshops and participate in the workshops, I hope you guys learn a lot and I hope you make a lot of new friends, uh, and encourage all the people out there who may not be familiar with my show to listen in. <laughs> And if they would like to be a guest, I'd be glad to have them. And I'm looking forward to hearing uh, from people who are out there right now what their experiences uh, have been, especially if this is their first trip back to Korea and if they're doing some interesting things like doing a uh, birth search for the first time. Uh, what else is going on? Uh, Stranger Things on Netflix. Have you guys have you guys been watching that? Stranger Things on Netflix. Get on that. If you're a child of the 80s, and even the 90s, like early 90s and like late 70s, highly recommend, highly recommend you watch it. If you're into like E.T. and Alien and other sci-fi type shows and movies, then you will definitely like it. And I highly recommend it. I We powered through that series. We really did. It was just like you turn that first episode on and it's just awesome. It's just like from start to finish just loved it and i i don't want to spoil anything so i'll just leave it at that but stranger things get on it everybody it's amazing uh finally uh 
the final thing I have to say before we uh, get started with the show here is uh, I have uh, an event to share with you guys on August 11th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, or is it Eastern Daylight Time? I don't know the difference, but 7 p.m. on August 11th, I will be doing a Google Hangout as a guest speaker with China's Children International. You may recall I just had a conversation with Katie Holtz, uh, who's on the board of China's Children International, and we coordinated, and I will be uh, guest speaking with them. Not sure what the uh, subject is going to be, what we're going to be talking about, but I look forward and am honored to uh, be doing that, and it will be live streamed. So once I get the address and everything, and it's all set up, I will uh, tweet that out, put it on my Facebook, etc. So you can look out for it. And you can live stream it to your computer. And uh, I think you can comment on it. I think uh, there's some way, shape, or form you can get it on YouTube. I don't know. I'll have to talk more about this uh, next week maybe and try to figure out the technical details. Because I'd like to use that feature in the future as well to live stream things. I think that'd be kind of cool. In any case, uh, let's get straight into it today. And... uh, Enjoy my conversation with uh, Cindy Burns. I should say, before we begin, uh, that we did have some technical difficulties. I tried to edit out as many of those as possible, as uh, this happens. This happens sometimes when you do Skype or FaceTime interviews. The internet cuts in and out. It's just the way of the world. It's the way of the technological world that we live in, for good or for bad. So uh, I tried to keep it as seamless as possible, but, you know, if there's a jump or something like that, then Sorry. All right, enjoy this week's episode with Cindy Burns. Enjoy. All right, Cynthia, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mike. Pleased to be here. Do you go by Cynthia? Cindy is okay, Cindy? too. Okay. Cindy's I know. Well- I, so I thought it was uh, Cindy, but then when... I looked on your Facebook, it was Cynthia, and I was like, have I been calling you something wrong this whole time? <laughs> yeah, well, the family calls me Cindy, they, uh, you know, who is this Cynthia person? But that's, you know, that's the one I use on Facebook, so. <laughs> <laughs> is that your legal name, or is that like your Facebook alias? No, that's my legal name. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and you are coming out of Connecticut right now. Yes, Woodbridge, Connecticut, right outside of New Haven. Oh, okay. I passed through there the other day driving from uh, to and from Boston. Oh, okay. I'm, okay. <clears throat> through yes. the tunnel? Did you go through the tunnel? Uh, I don't recall a tunnel. Okay. Yep. You were on, uh, what, 87 is it or 84? 84. 84. That sounds familiar. Yeah, I'm right off of 15. Okay, I see. I still don't know uh, where that is, but that's okay. <laughs> Number <laughs> Have you uh, always grown up around Connecticut? Yes, lived in Connecticut my whole life. Uh, we moved here shortly after I was adopted and have been here the whole time. Yeah? Yep, little Connecticut. No uh, no other states, just the, in the same part of Connecticut around New Haven? New Haven, Meriden, Hamden, but generally in the New Haven area. Yeah. For 48 years, I guess. I came here when I was two, so it's about 40. 48, okay. 49 years. How was, uh, I don't, I don't know much about Connecticut. When I was a kid, I thought the tri-state area, cause I grew up in Jersey was New York and Pennsylvania because we were <laughs> situated between New York and Philly. So I was like, Oh, but then you realize, no, the tri-state area is New Jersey, New York and Connecticut. 
and I don't know anything about Connecticut. <laughs> We're trying to compete with the other states. We're so little. We're known for um, probably great seafood. We have a beautiful shoreline. Oh, yeah. And um, uh, Eli Whitney lived in New Haven. Okay. So we have some notable places, obviously Yale University. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a great little state with a lot to offer, but you know, being one of the smallest, we have to toot our own horn sometimes. Well, you got uh, Rhode Island beat out. So, yeah. <laughs> is it like is it the second smallest state? How like how how small is Connecticut? To Rhode Island, I think that's that's us, Connecticut. Yeah. Like, yeah. What's the population density of Connecticut? Oh gosh! Well, I know New Haven itself. The city has probably. Um, Probably three hundred and fifty thousand people. It's a pretty big city, mm-hmm. so I, I I don't want to guesstimate as to what the state is. It's pretty densely populated just because of its proximity to New York. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about it. I feel like every time I get on uh, ninety five going through New Connecticut, it's always bumper to bumper traffic. Yeah, it's like a rodeo, really. <laughs> Buckle up and <laughs> put your foot on the gas. Those are the times when I'm like, oh god, I can't wait for self driving cars. <laughs> It hasn't worked out so well yet with Tesla. <laughs> I know. One, one day, one day. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. yeah. I take the train into New York if I have to go, really. Oh, That's- yeah. Well, how far away from New York are you? It's it's about two hours on the train if I okay. get the express that doesn't stop at every you know little town in Fairfield County. Sure, is that like an Amtrak? You have to see the Amtrak in. No, Metro North. Oh, the Metro North goes out there. Fine, right? Oh yeah. Oh okay. Very yeah. crowded during the week, but uh, on the weekends it's it's doable. Mm-hmm. Do you so. do you come to the city a lot, or is it just every now and then? Not as much as I used to when I was much younger. Uh, now that I have a family and everything, I I don't get in as much as I'd like to, but. Now I have more reasons to, so I uh, I would like to. Yeah. Definitely. Well, you definitely should. You should come down to some AKA events. And there's, uh, I just joined the Connecticut group. Is that pretty big? Yeah. Uh, well, we've probably got about 30 people. That's pretty big. Yeah, we've had some decent, um, you know, turnout at, at dinners that we've had. So we're growing, you know, again, small state. But there are a surprising number of adoptees in Connecticut. I really was surprised you know when i first got on facebook i thought i was the only one for sure and then slowly (laughs) slowly people started popping up and uh and now we've grown we include some massachusetts people just because we know them for a while Mm -hmm. um yeah we're doing pretty well i think we're planning one for uh july 30th oh yeah yeah so what event is is that just gonna be like a dinner or something Yeah. yeah just a dinner you know some people are uh not free on the weekend sometimes because of work. So we figure if we just get a, an evening in, maybe we can get a, a small group together at least. Nice. Yeah. Well, that sounds good. Where do yeah. you guys usually meet up? Is there like a central location or is it in one well, city usually? The the best Korean restaurant mm-hmm. seems to be right outside of Hartford in West Hartford. Uh, there's one in New Haven, but it's it's it doesn't have Korean barbecue. And... <laughs> So it's it's just you know uh, entrees that they serve. Yeah, um, and it, New Haven is hard to get to for everybody. So we try to pick something in the middle of the state. So it's mm-hmm. about thirty minutes for everybody. Yeah, and, it's not too bad. Yeah, it's not. We just all converge on the one place. And it's all Korean adoptees. Yes, yes, of all ages too. I mean, I think I'm at the older end of the spectrum, but there are some in their mid thirties, some in their twenties. So. We get a good cross-section of, uh, of different age groups. Yeah, that's pretty diverse. 
yeah. You know, we're just getting to know each other, sharing experiences. Yeah, that's cool, though, because I'm sure there's all kinds of different experiences just based on age and how they grew up. And have you talked about how Connecticut has changed over the years? Are they all from Connecticut? Uh, yeah, most of them have, have grown up here. Um, when I was first adopted, I don't think there were very many Asian people as a whole in the state, whether Chinese or Japanese. Mm-hmm other ethnicities um so now um the young kids they seem to be um much more comfortable with you know just being who they are and being adoptees and more well adjusted than uh than i probably was back then being what i thought was you know sticking out like a sore thumb being the only asian yeah, well, let's talk about that. I mean, my impression of Connecticut is uh, very similar to my impression of um, New England in general, which is mostly white. Yes. Um, was that the case when you were growing up in Connecticut? I mean, today, I, I still think I, I have the same opinion about Connecticut. Again, I don't know anything about the state, um, but maybe you could, you could enlighten me a little bit. Sure. When uh, I arrived in 67, you know, I, I obviously wasn't paying that much attention since I was a child. But- sure. The neighborhood that we lived in was very white. The town we lived in was very white. Connecticut now has a large Hispanic population, but back then, you know, I I was the only Asian kid in my class. Mm -hmm. I uh, don't remember much diversity in the school, and I don't remember having any friends other than another adoptee um, who, who were Asian. Even through high school, there were very few people that were were um adopted or Asian in any way. So it really wasn't until the eighties when I went to college, when I encountered some more. Um, but I really didn't connect with any Korean adoptees until I was in my forties. Oh, wow. So, but there was another adoptee that you grew up with in, in Connecticut. Yes. My mother was put in touch with a woman who was adopting a boy from Korea, and he was four, although we were the same age. He, he came a couple of years after I did. And uh, this lady, Barbara, who is a longtime family friend now, um, called my mother and, and was panicked about how clean her house had to be for the, for the visit. <laughs> <laughs> and they made an instant connection, and we were friends forever, really, um, since since then, so uh, Ricky was his name. He was adopted a couple years after I was, and so he was the only other person I knew that wow. even remotely looked like me. So yeah. Uh, so are you still friends with Ricky? Still in touch? Yeah. Sa- I, we were still in touch, but sadly, Ricky uh, passed away a couple years oh, ago. Oh no, that's too bad. He had um, really struggled all his life with with kind of depression mm-hmm. and um some other issues and it wasn't it wasn't that that killed him he just uh unfortunately had a heart attack oh wow Texas and was out biking on a hot day and um unfortunately was stricken in that way and it was shocking and yeah um, emotional for me because he was you know that connection I had to to the beginning and we had a special understanding, the two of us, having grown up together, mm-hmm. about, about the what we shared. And um, Yeah, well, that's great that you had that, at least, uh, especially in 
a time when I think that was pretty, probably pretty rare to have another adoptee in your community. And, uh, and Connecticut, I don't think is one of those states that's historically known as one of the hubs of <laughs> Korean adoption. Now, I did find out there were lots of kids on Long Island, but we, uh, you know, in Connecticut, certainly in my town, no, there were, it was, Ricky was the only person I had. Yeah, yeah. And so what, what do you, did you ever talk to your parents about why they wanted to adopt you? Uh, my parents had a biological son and they couldn't have any more kids. And my mother wanted a daughter and she had been reading the good earth by Pearl Buck mm. and uh, Pearl Buck had recently started the Pearl Buck foundation or it was called welcome house back then. And she decided that, well, maybe this was an option. And of course they applied and they got a picture of me and they made a commitment right from that picture and, uh, and began the process. It was a fairly quick process. I think it, it may be about a year. I mean, in terms of what it is now, it was fairly quick. Yeah. Yeah. And are you, uh, is, is it just you and your brother? Yes. My brother is three years older than I am and he's always been a great brother it was a big um my mom's family was italian and a big loud <laughs> family and uh my dad's family was smaller and jewish but not religious so it was an interesting um <laughs> interesting family for me to enter into because again i don't look anything like any of them but they well, none of us do <laughs> No, they were very welcoming and loving, and uh, it was it was a great family to be adopted into. I have to say. Yeah, was there like a lot of like big family dinners there, like Sunday dinners? Oh yeah, family parties and cousins and aunts and uncles, and uh, it was a wonderful. I as I, I've always said, I'm very fortunate to have uh, had that experience. You have a lot of extended family. I do. I uh, my mother has two brothers, and they have. Uh, let's see, I have five first cousins and uh, my mother's second cousins. I probably have, you know, 20, 25 cousins. So um, we have family reunions about every two years. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fun fun family to be a part of. <laughs> That's awesome. And what did your folks do? My mom was a teacher and my dad worked for Sears and Roebuck Company. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. and uh, he was a manager and, you know, he did sales and uh, and we had a pretty, you know, fairly normal um, suburban life. We lived on a quiet street. You know, we, we went to public schools. Mm -hmm. It was it was really kind of, you know, just a regular, regular life. Yeah. It sounds like just the even keel middle-class Connecticut, <laughs> almost idyllic. I mean, was there anything not idyllic about that, that upbringing? Uh, well, they divorced when I was 11. So, mm -hmm. uh, and it was not a bad divorce. It wasn't an angry divorce, but, uh, you know, it was a turning point in my life and we moved yeah. from Meriden to Hamden and, um, my mom was teaching at a private school, so I started attending that school because they offered free tuition for teachers. Sure, yeah. So that was a bonus. <laughs> and, um, I've lived in this general vicinity ever since. And again, that was a great experience for me to go to that school. 
a school that I probably wouldn't have gone to if, if not for her being a teacher there. So I made some lifelong friends there. Um, Ricky was there again because his mother was a teacher there. And oh, great. Wow, yeah. Continued our, our um, teenage years together. And, uh, and God, the, the people from that school are still in my life today. So it's been um, pretty, pretty nice to have that experience as well. Yeah. Well, it sounds like so your mom got in touch with Ricky's mom, it sounds like, and that's how you two became friends. Did she ever try to bring you to other adoptee-related things, or was that kind of the only connection that you had growing up? Well, I don't remember them having any kind of culture camps like they have today. Yeah. Did go to the Pro Buck yearly clam bake a couple times, but it was in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. It was a pretty far drive. Yeah, so yeah. We, after kind of the initial few years of them saying, we're going to, you know, keep in touch, uh, we didn't go anymore. And then, you know, just life takes, takes over and you've got things and activities and other things to do. So other than that, my mother did try to learn to cook Korean food. Oh, really? She tried to learn to eat kimchi and (laughs) worked very well. And she, she gave up after that. Probably wasn't interested in it either. So. Um, after that, no, I, I pretty much forgot that I was Korean until, until I was in my forties. <laughs> <laughs> I was very busy trying to be a, a typical American teenager. My friends would ask me about my birth name and, and things like that. And I mm-hmm. absolutely did not want to talk about it. And, and oh yeah. Goed me into telling me, telling them my name and, uh, no, 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 absolutely not. So I think I just wasn't ready to really deal with it to to process sure. thing yet. And uh, after I had my son is when I really kind of revisited um, that part of who I was. Yeah, you didn't. It sounds like you had a pretty good relationship with your mother. Is that the case? Oh yeah, excellent relationship. We're very close. She's been supportive of the whole crazy journey that I've been on, um, especially in these last couple of years and. Uh, always encouraged me to try to find my birth family. Oh yeah. Really great about that. Not threatened by it in any way and not, um, never undermining or, or mm-hmm. making me feel guilty about it. She, she thought it was something, uh, that I needed to do. And really this past couple months, she has an understanding of really of why it was so important to me. So she's been fantastic. My father as well. I mean, I don't, see him as much. He lives in Florida. My mom does too, but she travels. So, uh, he, he's been very happy for me. I don't think he understood really what, what I was doing, mm. but, uh, he's also been, you know, supportive of, of what's happened in the last couple months, the developments. Yeah. Well, we're going to, we're going to get to all of that. <laughs> we will make our way there slowly, but surely, uh, with that, I mean, it sounds like you and your mother had some pretty open communication. She was kind of trying to push you in that direction uh, of looking for your birth mother. But you you basically sound like you had no interest in doing any of that up until recently. Now, until I became a mother myself, maybe I was not um, in the frame of mind to understand the issues that my birth mother was facing in, in giving me up for adoption. Mm-hmm. That's something that all mothers... Um, cope with in in that process. 
I felt an instant connection with my son when he was born. He's my only one. And that really kind of got me thinking about what, what would my mother have been feeling in, in this situation that she was put in. Right. And, um, you know, in talking to her now, I, I completely am blown away by, um, what emotions must have, uh, been, been running through her mind and, and the impossible choices that, that these mothers are really forced to make. Yeah. yeah. Even, you know, so, so you never had the drive to, I don't know. Uh, I think, I feel like a lot of people, a lot of adoptees have this want to find somebody that looks like them, that they can connect with biologically. And for a lot of, uh, people of my age and older that usually comes that they can't find the birth parents in the form of having a child. Yes. And that's when a lot of that stuff kind of comes out. It sounds like that, that kind of is the case for you, except you really didn't seem to have an interest in finding your birth parents, even though your mom kind of was pushing you in that direction. (laughs) Yeah. I just, I, I, of course I wanted to know who I look like, who's, you know, whose nose do I have? We all have that, that desire to look at somebody and see, see ourselves reflected. Um, but I, I, you know, I think like a lot of people, I was scared, you know, the potential for rejection and for disappointment was, was, uh, really strong. And Mm -hmm. I, I wasn't emotionally ready for that. You know, I'd rather not know, at that point than to be disappointed because I knew that I really couldn't handle um, being rejected. You know, there's a, there's an initial feeling of rejection that you kind of deal with throughout your life. Cause you know, you're adopted and it, it, in some sense, you know, there was a, a separation and there was a reason for it and you don't know it. Mm-hmm. We, uh, you know, kind of imagine it as a rejection. So, the possibility of facing that again was not something I, I was willing to do until all this DNA testing started. And then <laughs> you couldn't even, yeah. you couldn't avoid it because uh, it, it gave you immediate results and immediate connections. And um, at that point you were forced to, <laughs> forced to deal with it, whether you're ready for it or not. Which I, sometimes it's better. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes it's yeah. The technology has come so far; it's kind of insane that as a commercial entity, you could be like, "I would like to have my genome sequenced and compared against others to see if there's a match." Yeah, I I I was not in any way prepared for um, such quick results from something I kind of tried on a lark. You know, yeah. yeah. Thing was, I know everyone else is doing it. Why don't I do it too? Mm-hmm. Thinking that oh, you know, maybe I'll find something, but fully expecting that I wouldn't find anything. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I think that's the kind of attitude that a lot of people go into with or that it's like a little whimsy. It's, it'll be something fun. You could find out other things like, am I allergic to shellfish or (laughs) random stuff like that? Why do I hate cilantro? No. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, let's get into, let's just get into it. Cause your story is pretty, it's fascinating. It's a fascinating story. Like, and it's, it's pretty rare. Uh, to have a story like yours come out. I mean, there are a lot now when we talk about the DNA testing and the, how far technology has come of uh, obviously uh, 
Sam Fuderman and her sister Anaisme, and they're twins. And then right. Dan Matthews found his twin brother and his birth family as well. It's just crazy the type of things. But your story is unique in particular because not only did you start searching and you found your birth mother and your family, but you also found out that she's living here in the States and has been for many years. Total. That was, that was, I don't know if finding her was more of a shock or finding that she'd been here almost (laughs) whole life was just as big a shock. That, so yeah, let's start at the beginning of you deciding that you're going to do a search. So you said that you kind of got this feeling, uh, was it while you were pregnant or after you gave birth to your son? Probably after, after I gave birth, I, um, you know, thought this thing called motherhood, I, I, I want to understand better what my mother felt and, um, I did a preliminary inquiry to Welcome House, and they didn't promise anything. They said, well, you know, send us $350, and we'll put a note in your file, and we'll do some searching. And that was disappointing. Mm -hmm. So it kind of just sat in the back of my mind for a while. And then this 23andMe um, thing really started to explode. Yeah. And I did that test and found... A second cousin on my father's side. I w- it, it was revealed to me then through the test that I was half Puerto Rican. Another surprise. Yeah, yeah I'll say. <laughs> I just keep coming. <laughs> uh, worked with that second cousin, a great guy. Um, we've been kind of going through family members for a couple of years, trying to find the branch where we're connected. And he's been lovely and helpful and supportive. Is and- he also in the States? Yeah, he's in San Francisco. Oh, wow. And and we're close in age. So we talked pretty often and, and just he was doing the legwork because I really don't understand the DNA um, stuff either. <laughs> so uh, decided in February that we had kind of exhausted the 23andMe uh, connections. He pursued different people and it didn't pan out. So... Mm-hmm. Um, other people that I knew, Catherine Kim, um, my friend Sarah Savadakis, had, had found their birth father's family through the ancestry test. So I said, oh, I, I don't know, maybe I'd like to do that one too. And I forgot about it. And then my husband um, thankfully remembered it and got me a test for my birthday. So I sent it in, and about a month after I sent it in. I got the results that I had a first cousin match. Wow. I was really excited. Wow, first cousin. This yeah. is the link. At this point, I had given up to on um, finding my birth mom because the 23andMe didn't yield any kind of close Korean relatives. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ancestry test I got back looked like to me that it was another Puerto Rican relative, but a first cousin. So... We had been on the search for my birth father. Maybe he could give me some clues. But um, we found out that the the person that this test belonged to was, in fact, a a Puerto Rican man. And on further um, discussion with him, found out that he was the administrator of this test. And it was his daughter's test, really. The results that I had connected with. So... Here I was thinking, you know, I was related to him because he had a Hispanic last name. 
And he then revealed to Luis, Luis was doing the communication again for me. <laughs> He's Who's been like, Luis. Luis is my second cousin. Oh, that okay. I, 23 and me. So he has been the real driving force in this search. <laughs> so uh, Luis communicates with him and finds out that this test belongs to um, this gentleman's daughter. And coincidentally, his daughter's grandmother is Korean. Mm. And immediately, what? You know, yeah. What are you talking about? So he gave me the name of his daughter's mother. Mm-hmm. And I emailed her and said, look, this is who I am. This is my name. I'm searching for my birth parents. This is my mother's name. I don't know my father's name. It seems that we are connected. I am connected to your daughter in some way. Would you like to um, explore how we're connected? And she immediately wrote me back and said, that's my mother's name. Um, I've been looking for you. You're my sister. Wow. Yeah. I, what? <laughs> so She's been looking. How long was she looking for you? Well, she had just found out about me about two years ago through a a set of circumstances that were also kind of coincidentally uh, fortuitous, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't, it's, it's hard to explain it all, but she, um, she said, I'm your sister. And I, I was at work and I kind of had a mini breakdown and started crying and had to run to the, the break room. Um, it turns out that Sarah, my sister has, uh, has two siblings and an older sister and an older brother and their father had met my birth mother in Korea in 1968. Her father, who is now suffering, um, from some dementia Mm. and, uh, doesn't talk that much anymore had said something to her two years ago about a baby and she questioned him about it, but she didn't know if it was true because of his health. Right. And then on a second occasion, he said something about a baby and mentioned Texas, which is where my father apparently was stationed when, before he went to Korea, my birth father. He was a military guy. Yes. So, uh, she then, went to my birth mother and said, did you have a child before uh, you met our father? And my mother admitted, yes, she had. And um, Sarah told her that she was going to find me. And my mother said, it's impossible. I don't know how you're going to find her. And uh, two years later, the the DNA test brought us together. Wow. So, um, the fact that she knew about it and was kind of emotionally prepared for this to happen is yeah. also kind of a happy coincidence. Because my other siblings didn't know. She didn't tell them because she said it was really my mother's um, story to tell. She didn't want to, you know, go to them and say, do you know what's going on? And yeah, yeah. <laughs> she didn't have anything to tell them at that point. So she... She was just searching on her own. She hadn't found anything. She was searching in chat rooms and, and uh, adoption agencies, but mm-hmm. she didn't have my name or any information, so she was just kind of hitting 
dead ends. Yeah, I mean, like, what do you search for in that case, really? Yeah, no name, no state, no no information at all about where I'd gone after I left Korea. So that really connected you two, huh? Yeah, it was my niece really only did the test because her father bought her the test last Christmas and said, let's explore our ancestry. (laughs) Never, never really intending to find me. Yeah. It wasn't really an effort to find me. It was just kind of a coincidence that she'd done it for them to explore their Puerto Rican ancestry. (laughs) (laughs) Your shared Puerto Rican ancestry. (laughs) That is, uh, we share with them, although we're not related. So that is (laughs) insane. Just, uh, just that part. (laughs) And so from there, where did you guys go? Did you decide you were going to meet up or did you fly out? What, what, what did you do after you guys started writing to each other? You know, I, I was very shocked and happy and, you know, immediately wanted to, um, you know, talk to her. I, the first thing I said was, please tell me she's still, she's still alive and she's healthy. And she's like, oh, yeah, she lives in Tacoma, Washington. And I, at that point, I what? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, and I thought, well, you know, they came here, you know, maybe 10 years ago. No, they've been here since 1969. All right, so so you're pretty ecstatic at this point then uh, and probably overwhelmed with a ton of emotions. You were at work when you started exchanging these emails? Yes, and I I managed to get through the day, but I was really not <laughs> – I was really not there. Yeah. So, what were you feeling? Um, a little afraid, you know, that this was so easy and shocked and um, excited and uh, kind of in disbelief. I really had a hard time believing that it was true because, you know, these DNA tests, like, they can connect you and a lot of the details started to make sense, but I didn't have any real proof. I was connected to my niece in some way, but I didn't have real proof yet that, that she was my mother. Yeah. Um, my sister and I talked about that and she said, look, why don't we get a private DNA test? Just because Mm -hmm. for, for everybody's, um, questions to be answered, we're pretty sure that, that it's true, but we want everyone to, to be comfortable with um with knowing that it's true so we arranged for that sarah arranged for it and a lovely lady came to my work and and swabbed my uh my mouth and my birth mom went to a lab in tacoma and uh they told us we'd have the results by friday Mm -hmm. friday arrived and there was a delay so um it was delayed till over the weekend. So we all had to kind of stew about it over the weekend. (laughs) (laughs) We were, you know, prepared for Friday. Um, so Monday came and I had at this point connected with my friend, Heather, who's a producer at CBS. And she had asked if she could document this, this story. We talked about it previously. Actually, I had dinner with Heather the night I saw, and at the Korea Society event. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> I, uh, I told Heather, and she said, oh, I have to get there with a crew. We want to see you open the email. 
So we, we waited for them to arrive and then opened uh, the email that told me that it, there was a 99.99% chance that uh, Sunja was, in fact, my mother. And, uh, and I had the proof finally. Wow. And I found her. Uh, on their side, when you contacted your sister over Ancestry, what, what did she do? Did she immediately call your birth mother and, and inform her of this? Or, or what, what happened? Yeah, she, she knew that my birth mom, I'll call her Oma for the purpose of separating her from my adoptive mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she called Oma and gently, you know, didn't want to kind of just bring this on her, but there was no other way. And uh, so she told her and she was elated and happy and crying and she wanted to talk to me right away. <laughs> and I did too. But as I said before, I was really kind of uh, reluctant before we had the, um, the proof. So I assumed that she got the results the same day that I did when mm-hmm. she first uh, found out that I had been found though. Um, Sarah called her and told her, of course, and they still had not broken it to um, the other two siblings. So Oma uh, contacted them and said she needed uh, my brother John to come to Tacoma. Mm-hmm. My sister Maria lives there already, and that she needed them to come so she could talk to them. And where, where, where was John coming from? Chicago. Okay. So immediately they all thought she was sick, that she had cancer, <laughs> which is a terrible thing. But, you know, she didn't give them very much information. And sure. she, she wanted to tell them in person. So uh, it was a <clears throat> happy relief when they found out she wasn't sick. And yeah. she ended up telling them before they were there in person. I think it was something she just she couldn't keep to herself. Once the the production from CBS became involved. She, they, it was impossible to keep it, you know, a secret until they got there. So yeah, they had, they had to know. And it was, you know, it was really in the interest of fairness. They deserved to know and not just have it sprung on them. You know, yeah, of course, while everyone else knew. <laughs> yeah. And it, when you just show up and it's like, I'm here and they're like, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm your sister. I'm your older sister. So, yeah. Exactly. Um, and I talked to them both before uh, we all met up in Tacoma. So I was able to uh, hear their voices and we got to know each other a little bit. And mm-hmm. then finally on in May, May 13th, we we made the, the trip to Tacoma and Seattle. And, and that's where the big meetup happened. Yeah, that's so incredible. And so did CBS end up coming with you and they, they videotaped, it seemed like, the the whole first meeting with your mother? Yes, they really, uh, Heather, Heather Wan, who is um, really a producer of health pieces for the CBS Evening News and an adoptee, uh, had a personal, um, you know, stake in it because we had talked about it. And as an adoptee herself, she was connected to the story. So they assigned uh, a reporter, a fairly well-known um, gentleman named Barry Peterson, mm-hmm. traveled through Asia for CBS and different networks. Um, there were a uh, crew there. There was a sound guy. There was a camera guy. There was um, 
different people. The people at the hotel were involved in oh wow in setting up and donating the space for, of the conference room for this filming and meeting to happen and. And they were really wonderful. They left us goodie bags from the Chamber of Commerce and, um, you know, kind of brought in snacks and and made it a really nice experience. And they were very generous with us at the hotel. Wow. That, I mean, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. They, they thought it was a wonderful thing to be part of and they, uh, they decided to donate the space. So, yeah, that's great. And so uh, it was captured on, on film for the, for the evening news, uh, your first meeting with your Oma, but what what were the things that you were feeling when you saw her for the first time? Um, when I saw her for the first time, I was surprised at how little she was. I don't know. In my imagination, I had not imagined her being as petite, mm. um, but she was as beautiful as I imagined, and and, and she kind of has the classic uh, Korean grandma look. She's got the, the curly hair, the permed hair, and, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of the, the clothing style. And um, I, she just, I don't know, she just looked beautiful. Like everything I had imagined a, a Korean mom to be, I don't know that I had a picture of what she would look like in my mind, but when I saw women in Korea when I was there in 2014, I looked at their faces and, um, you know, tried to figure what features my mom would have. And, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, she she's more beautiful maybe than I, I could have imagined because she's that's the face that I've been searching for for so long. Yeah. To see it finally was... Uh, a really a magic moment for me to see, to see the. Yeah. It must've been very overwhelming. Oh, absolutely. I was sobbing that the filming went on for a long time. It didn't, you know, capture it all in the, and what they showed on TV. Mm-hmm. But we stood there for a, a good uh, five minutes, just kind of sobbing and crying and, and looking at each other and crying some more and hugging. each other. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, just kind of, Stepping back and saying, is this real? And then hugging and crying some more. But, Have you um, talked to her about what was going through her head the whole time? Uh, no, I haven't really talked about that. I know before I I came into the room, they talked to her about, um, you know, had she ever considered this happening? And she said, no, she, she didn't know how she could find me. She didn't have any idea. Um, she thought it would be expensive that she would have to try to go to a radio station or a TV station. Mm-hmm. And she didn't have money for that. And she just, she had no um, idea that she could find me, that there was a way. So she, she just really kind of put it out of her mind and didn't think about it. Yeah, you said before you thought that, or she said that she had thought it was impossible. Right, exactly. And even when Sarah revealed to her that that she knew about me, she said, no, you can't find her. It's impossible. And Mm -hmm. uh, probably, you know, a couple years ago it might have been. But, again, this DNA uh, and what it does to connect people is really kind of unbelievable to me. Yeah, I mean, the the advances in, in... in science and technology is 
pretty astounding. And it's, I think between that and social media and the combination of the two being able to do things these days on your own without an intermediary, uh, being able to find relatives, uh, as it's never been done before. And I don't think it's, you know, the system, the way it was built in in architecture, they weren't prepared for anything like this either. No, I don't think so. And, um, you know, maybe if, if they were, they would have kind of advertised it differently, but, um, maybe now, you know, they'll add that as an aspect and get more people to test. I mean, the ultimate goal is to get more people tested. So adoptee, um, DNA is, is in the database and more Korean DNA, Mm -hmm. um, South Korea is there. Um, I don't, you know, I, I, I'm positive that this couldn't have happened several years ago because DNA testing was, you know, something that you had to have some facts before you could go to people other than seeing people on Maury, you know, telling yeah, yeah. like, they're not the father. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you had to have some facts before you went and tested people. And the fact that now you can just connect to distantly related people and more closely related people and then follow the, you know, the clues Mm -hmm. and actually find the truth is shocking to me still. I don't know. I don't understand how it works. um, I don't have a scientific mind. So when people are analyzing it and talking about um, the different centimorgans and whatever they they (laughs) are talking about, I have no idea. Um, it, it astounds me that, you know, that everyday people are talking about it now, not just scientists. Yeah. There are people who are doing it recreationally. I know. It's crazy. It's just, yeah, you used to, I think blood tests were mostly used for, yeah, to find out if you, you know, some states required it for marriage. But other than that, <laughs> that was kind of it. child support, so. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. It's insane now. And it's funny. I, this is in a, this is the first time I'm talking about it publicly and it's not widespread knowledge, even amongst friends or anything, but I actually, uh, had dinner when I was in DC a couple of weeks ago with, uh, the adoptee group there, adoption links, DC. Yeah. Uh, and they had just come back from, um, lobbying at Congress to try to get the adoption adoptee citizenship act passed. Sure. Uh, but somebody had come up there, um, and he looked very familiar and I couldn't put my finger on it. And later, uh, I, like the next day or whatever, somebody was talking about 23andMe and I'm on there. Hmm. And so I went, I, I was like, oh, I haven't looked at the, uh, the results in a while. Like I haven't thought about it for a long time. So I logged in and I checked it out and under DNA relatives, there was this guy's picture. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm third to sixth cousin. I was like, that's so random. <laughs> <laughs> <He's> <laughs> like, I just had dinner with this guy. He's a blood relative. Who knew? <laughs> Did you reach out to him? I haven't reached out to him yet. I need to contact him. <laughs> Third to sixth is kind of far, but that's yeah. the closest one that, uh, you know, I do that kind of for fun. Right. Um, not expecting anything like, you know, a first cousin or, or, or you know, a sister or a brother or anything like that. It's uh, Most of them that I see are third to sixth or, or second to sixth. Uh, or distant cousins, and I'm like, uh, well, I mean, that's probably pretty normal for a lot of people, right? Especially, yeah, third, third cousins, I think, is a set of grand, great, great, great grandparents. So something like that. Pretty, pretty hard to figure out, especially among Koreans. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I know a lot of adoptees consider any other Korean uh, their family, regardless of how distantly. <clears throat> we just, um, I have some sixth, I, fifth and sixth cousins mm-hmm. who are adoptees I'm Facebook friends with. And we, you know, refer to each other as cousin because as, as far as Korea goes, that's all we have. Sure. So, um, well, not anymore. <laughs> I do have the, the whole thing now. But um, back then when I started out, you know, that, that was important because that was a DNA relative. Sure. And how was it meeting the rest of your extended family? Because they showed that a little bit at the end. It seemed like just a whole other family to meet out there. Oh, and yeah, a, a wonderful family and loving. My, my sister Maria is was the oldest, and now, of course, I'm the oldest. You replaced her. <laughs> yeah, strange. I've always been the youngest, so now I'm the oldest. Um, she wasn't unhappy about that, but she was still um, shocked, I think, in the beginning. Mm-hmm. John is a is a great guy and and you know full of of life and laughter and really kind of um, gets gets my mother going in a funny way and uh, two of my cousins uh, one from Texas and one from Alaska these are my uncle Charlie's daughters my mother's brother's daughters um, came down for the reunion one up one down um, so. It was an opportunity for the family to be all together again. It was an occasion that brought everybody together again, and and I was really um, blown away by their you know their effort to be there and to to be part of it and to welcome me so so warmly and lovingly. It was it was terrific. It really was. My family felt so um, kind of just embraced by everybody's gracious attitude and. Uh, it was it was an incredible experience. It really was. I mean, that's truly an amazing story. Honestly, it's like you don't hear about anything like that ever. <laughs> no, and you know, I, again, I feel lucky. I feel fortunate that um, the family I did find was open to uh, you know receiving uh, this information and um, accepting mm-hmm. you know into their life because. I mean, you could be pretty suspicious that someone appears in your mother's life now, and what do they want, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. You know, all of a sudden, this person who is our sister, but, uh, you know, I I would probably be reluctant in the beginning to kind of uh, hang back and, and observe and, and get a sense of, of what the person is there for. Um, and I, I hope that they, you know, know my heart is sincere, that really, I mean... I don't want anything other than to know that that my family is there and that my mother is okay and she's healthy and, mm-hmm. and um, you know not looking to change any family dynamics or um, or anything like that. I, I'm just happy to have found them and and, and know them and be able to uh, call them my family. Absolutely. Was that a was that a fear of yours that some of your family would be suspicious of you or wouldn't accept you as part of the family? Oh sure. Like, you know, we touched on that before. The rejection right. aspect is, is always there, the potential for it. And, um, yeah, I mean, you don't, having not grown up together, you're siblings, but you don't have any shared experiences other than right now. Mm-hmm. So um, you might not automatically like each other. You know, you're, you're coming from different parts of the country, different lifestyles, different um you know, experiences growing up. So, uh, 
there is certainly the chance that mm, we just, you know, I mean, you might not get along, but yeah, of course, all of them are, are really wonderful people. And I think that's, um, that's a credit to my mother and their father. And I think they, they all were raised to be loving and open and, um, it's it's uh, it's something I feel very lucky about that they were willing to open their hearts to me and um, and I, I think it's because of the family they had and I I uh, I think we both got lucky in that aspect that mom was always really sacrificing for them as John told me it was all about her kids yeah and, um, I think she was very brave to do what she did. I don't know that I could ever do that to give up a child, mm-hmm. not knowing what was going to happen. But it was her best option, and um, and she didn't let it, uh, you know, destroy her. She went on to raise wonderful children and have a family, and uh, and still be um, a wonderful person. So uh, she uh, she really she really. Um, kind of lives in my heart all the time now. I, I think about her a lot because I wish I could see her more often. Yeah, um, yeah. Found her. Kind of on opposite sides of the uh, the U.S. here. Yes, yes. I will see her in a couple of weeks. We're going to, she's going to join us in Florida for a vacation. So. Oh, that's nice. My mom invited her down and we're going to have another, you know, little trip together. That'll be good. <laughs> So she came 30 years ago. Uh, did the whole did the whole family come with her? Uh, or were the kids, uh, your brothers and sisters, kind of born in the States? Or were they born back in Korea and kind of came over too? No. Um, they came to Georgia, I think, in 1969. Maria was born there. John, I think, might have been born in Washington or Colorado Springs. And... Maria, I'm not. Sh- uh, Sarah, I'm not sure where she, what state she was born in. All born in the United States. Um, eventually, my uncle Charlie came from Korea mm-hmm. with his family, and um, Halaboji, my grandmother, my mother's father, also came and lived with Uncle Charlie in Alaska for a while. He lived to be 99. Oh wow! So. Um, there's good genes in the family. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good long life, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of longevity. And, um, uh, yeah, they all eventually ended up here. That's awesome. That's so crazy. That's just like they all came to the U.S. Yeah. And your birth mother, your Oma, had no idea that you had come to the U.S. You didn't know basically what happened after you were put up for adoption. No, she assumed I was in the United States, but uh, as we know, there were a lot of adoptees in in europe yeah absolutely um i i could have been there but it was an assumption she had she didn't know for sure she knew my dad was puerto rican but he he hadn't been there when i when i was given up for adoption so Mm -hmm. um there you know she didn't know where i was she didn't even know where to start yeah yeah have you found or talked to your birth father no, we uh, continue to search. My cousin Luis, um, we're in a, like a, a Puerto Rican cousins group, and recently somebody had 
the results from a DNA test that were were kind of a false negative when they did a private DNA test that turned out two people were father and son. So it got Luis thinking, and he had showed me a picture of his father probably last year, and so many people thought, wow, you really, you really have a strong resemblance to that man. Hmm. So Luis said to me, what if the test is wrong? What if, what if, my dad is really your dad and the, you know, just the half sibling mixture and things like that. So now he's kind of, um, surmising that, you know, maybe the, the connection we have is, is closer than we, we thought before. Um, we haven't figured anything out yet, but, uh, my dad would be in his mid eighties right now. So, uh, yeah. um, time is really of the essence if I'm going to find her. <clears throat> my ma, Oma does not, remember his name i don't know if it's a matter of her blocking it emotionally Mm -hmm. and just putting it away that it was a traumatic time or maybe she doesn't want to remember maybe he wasn't that great a person i don't know and she doesn't want me to know i don't think that's it i think um just after 50 years and um and probably it being traumatic for her, she she just kind of let that go. Yeah, she doesn't have any names for me, um, and I I I really kind of waffle about it because I don't want to press her too much because it's a painful topic. I'm sure, yeah. Yeah. so I don't want to cause her any kind of. Um, additional pain of having to go back in her memories or or bring something up that was traumatic sure Um, you know this finding her was something i wasn't expecting and it it's it's the jackpot so if i find him um that's great um but really finding her was was my ultimate goal i just wasn't working on that when i found her (laughs) (laughs) but you did it (laughs) Sometimes you got to step away, maybe. <laughs> I know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And for, for someone of my age, I'm 51, it's pretty unusual. A lot of younger adoptees in their 30s, um, some in their 40s, have found their birth parents. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm probably one of the only ones, I think, that's found a mother, you know, living. And yeah. certainly probably the only one in, living in the United States. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a rare situation that you can even converse in the same language if you do find them. So, I mean, you're like, you really did hit the jackpot. (laughs) Sure, yeah. I mean, a lot of fat people have had reunions, and it's kind of come to a screeching halt after the initial... Yeah, or yeah, the relationship just kind of falls apart because of the lack of communication. You you can't talk to each other. So it's amazing that you have this continued relationship because of that loss of a language barrier that you're able to go on a vacation to Florida together. <laughs> I know I, like that. It's I, I continually think of things that um, I feel like the planets just kind of lined up and maybe they've been lining up for 50 years mm-hmm. for this to happen. But, um, you know, I don't regret being adopted or having the family I did. Mm-hmm. I know my life in Korea would have been very uh, difficult. So, she absolutely made the right decision, and um, <clears throat> we're just lucky that it that it worked out in our favor 
you know, all these years later. Yeah. I mean, we, we throw around the word lucky a lot in the adoption community. It, it becomes very politicized, people using that or not using that. But I think in your case, it is absolutely justified to use the word lucky. Yes. <laughs> like it really, like it was like all, all the stars and planets and everything <laughs> kind of fell into place for you, which is just incredible. Serendipitous for sure. I, I, um, I, you know, I, I don't think I could have laid this out as a, you know, as something that would happen. Yeah. Harmonious convergence for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and how is, uh, your husband and your son, uh, doing with all this new family and everything? <laughs> uh, well, my husband is, is really overjoyed for me. The, we've been together almost 20 years and, um, you know, he, he saw it as a point in my life that just kind of weighed on me. There was always, um, you know, that little bit of sadness and and, and things I would uh, experience. So he, he knew how important it was to me. But, you know, I, again, would say, why am I, you know, searching for this? I have a great mother and I have a great father. So forget about that. But then it would it would come up again. Mm. So it was something that he he wanted to help me with. And mm. he himself had gone online and, and looked and well, how could I find her? And um, was there anything I can do? And we also ran into dead ends. And he bought me the Ancestry DNA test. I had kind of forgotten that I mentioned wanting it. And uh, he got it for my birthday. And uh, he, he, you know, he's cried the tears with me. He really has. And um, supported me in my moments when I thought it was, you know, a, a lost cause and celebrated with me <laughs> and cried tears of joy when we found when we found the answers. My son is also, you know, excited to to have cousins now. He doesn't really have any cousins. He has one cousin before this. But now he has cousins that are his age. They all met. They had fun together. They they kind of bonded. They were able to communicate on the same level. So for him, it's also a jackpot because now he has, uh, you know, people that are his age that are in the family. Yeah. And, um, and he's looking forward to making memories, memories with them as well. Sure. You know? Is his cousin's going to be down in Florida too? Is he coming to Florida? No, no, we don't, nobody's coming to Florida this year. We have to kind of really plan ahead for that. Because oh. <laughs> Get everybody in one spot. That's, mm-hmm. that's the goal. But uh, that takes some, you know, pre-planning for sure. Sure, yeah. And when's the uh, the next big family reunion? Have you guys planned that out? Uh, well, I know that my siblings, at least John, John always goes to out to Tacoma for Oma's birthday, which is in March. It's 10 days before my birthday. Oh, wow. So, yeah, again, the similarities. Um I'd probably try to go out there again in March. I don't know when the next time we'll all be together will be. Mm -hmm. um, I'd really like to try. My husband and I will try to make sure that we we try to be there as much as we can, at least once a year. Um, Because, you know, I I love my sisters. I love my brother-in-laws. It's, you know, I want to be able to spend time with them and get to know them. We've missed a lot of years. So we want to be able to to spend some quality time together and have fun and laugh and and make new memories. Yeah. 
Well, you know what you do is you, you get them all on Skype and you tell your family to turn off all the other devices. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's possible with all the kids. There's two, five teenagers, so good luck getting them off their devices all at the same time. <laughs> tell them to go, go outside and play Pokemon or something. <laughs> oh. My son has been running around all weekend. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It's the new hotness. Everybody loves it. It's good, though. It gives them exercise. They get outside. They go do stuff. But I said. He rode a bike for four miles today. To, oh, to there you go. Get one. <laughs> <laughs> and I talk, to, I talk to Oma every weekend now. Um, she calls, and, and I'm learning, you know, how to say I love you in Korean. And um, I think she's going to cook some Korean food for us down in Florida. Oh, that'll be great. You know, I'm I'm just looking forward to just being able to hang out with her. The mm-hmm. weekend together was really a, a very fast four days. Of course. Um, I want to have some just relaxing time where we could really just sit and talk and not have a camera watching us and just mm-hmm. kind of be in the moment together without um, any pressure of, uh, of any other type. So Yeah, that'll be really good. Yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to most. Well, that's great. Really, just just incredible. I'm so happy for you. Thank you, thank you. I, I you know, I, I, I really hope it gives hope to other adoptees of all age groups mm-hmm. that uh, it's possible. You know, I mean, when you think hope is lost, uh, something could be around the next corner. All it takes is that next person submitting a test or making some sort of uh, connection in some way, logging into some sort of group. Um, but, uh, you know, if it's in your heart to search, then certainly keep keep searching. Yeah. I think a lot of people um, in the adoptee community, um, there's kind of a dividing line of people that are driven by the search to find out who they are in their birth family and others who are like, you know what, I'm okay. I, I, I'd like to know, I guess, if it happened, but I'm not going to be obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. So, um, those who are searching, um, I hope they find it. I hope there's, there's more stories like mine, and I hope that the groups that are kind of starting up out there, like the 325 camera who are testing people mm-hmm. in Korea can, um, can connect people and uh, you know, find some more happy endings. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I think not just myself, I think, I'm, you know, the most of the adoptee community finds your story as an inspiration of, of that. There is hope out there. The way it spread through social media was like wildfire. <laughs> it's like that video uh, was all over the place. It just filled up my newsfeed. I was like, this is incredible. <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize. No, you. there's no apology necessary. It's just amazing. And it's just, I think uh, everybody felt just like so happy and lifted by your story that, you know, all these years later, like there's still a hope, you know, I think a lot of people just kind of, they do, they give up they get, because they get, there's so many obstacles and they get, uh, you know, stymied by yes. all kinds of barriers. And it seems sometimes I can, I feel like it can seem like there's nothing but barriers in your way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, with the advent of technology and social media, um, a lot of those things kind of just fall down. And I think yours is like one of the first of probably many cases to come in the future where the barriers that were set up either by design or because they didn't think of these things when they set up these organizations or whatever, 
right. are going to fall. Yeah. And, I mean, it can happen. I mean, truly, I wasn't really doing anything actively other than submitting the test. Mm-hmm. It can happen when you're not even, you know, trying. So, uh, be prepared as well. I mean, <laughs> yeah. be prepared because it could happen when you least expect it. The next thing you know, you're on Maury. <laughs> <laughs> I know I don't have any more children out there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's good. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, can people find you online or anything like that uh, or get in contact with you anyhow, like uh, Facebook Uh, or any of those things? People uh, can message me at Facebook. Um, uh, I'm on Messenger. Uh, Several adoptees have just, you know, kind of as – with inquiries about, well, you know, how did you do it? Uh, are there tests? Who should I get in touch with? And I'm happy to, to share my experience. Some people are just kind of at the beginning of their, their journey, as we call it. Um, mm-hmm. So happy to, you know, share experiences or feelings that, you know, other people are having. A lot of people um, are just coming to Facebook now. You know, I've been on Facebook since 2009. I guess I'm an old lady of Facebook now. But um, there's new people coming all the time. So um, some of them are just discovering again that there are other adoptees out there. Yeah. Um, I hear so- that all the time on these groups. It was like, oh, this is the first group I'm joining, or I didn't know these groups were out here. Yeah, and there have been groups before, uh, even before Facebook. Weren't there groups on um well, I'm sure they were on all those it, chat rooms, yeah. and yeah, of course, AKA was out before Facebook, and you know there are plenty of adopting live in person groups, but the online um, presence I feel like has certainly grown, and that's grown oh. to such an extent that there are now subgroups. So it's like, you know, geek cads or yeah, 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 all kinds I, of stuff. I I was involved in a lot of them, and I kind of backed away just to get back to um, you know focusing on my my family and so um but if people want to reach out and and you know ask questions or anything like that i am certainly open to to talking with people all right and of course you're in the uh, connecticut korean adoptee group and people can meet there even if they're uh from some wayward parts of massachusetts yes (laughs) take people from uh westchester county we will take people from Rhode island (laughs) Southern Massachusetts. Uh, we'll, we'll take them all in Connecticut. Great. And they can find that group on Facebook. Is that the only site they get, that you guys have is the, uh, yeah. the Facebook yeah. group? Facebook, Connecticut Korean Adoptees. All right. So you guys can look for it uh, there and uh, message a bunch of people once you are accepted. Are you the admin of the group? Yes, I am. I am the admin and founder. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you are the gatekeeper. <laughs> all right. Well, that's great. Uh, do you have any other anything else you want to you want to say to the audience out there? Um, no, I you know I mean I think I've I've kind of uh, said it. I you know I mean really, and it sounds kind of cliche, but if you are searching, don't don't give up. If uh, you you feel compelled to to find out your past, it it's certainly something that's possible um keep talking keep asking keep connecting with people and uh and the answers will come eventually i can only imagine that 
that things will get easier now. It's kind of Pandora's box has been opened, and um, as, as more people become aware and more people are involved, I think uh, connections will really start to happen at a, at a greater rate. And, um, you know, I mean, uh, there are plenty of people to talk to. So for those of you who are in the beginning of the search, again, reach out, talk to people, share. And those of you who have given up hope, uh, reach out and talk to people and, and share. And, uh, and hopefully we will we'll get some more stories that, uh, that people can share with you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And any of the other uh, Connecticut Korean adoptees, if they want to, and if they're in Westchester County, they, we can meet in person. <laughs> there you go. Because that's right across the river from me. There's some I, good restaurants in Terrytown I want to try out. Uh, then I want to come along. <laughs> <laughs> you are always welcome into the New York area as well. I think you should t- probably talk to Simone. Simone is in our Connecticut group, and last year, two years ago, she was reunited with her brothers. Oh, wow. Through um, the Me and Korea tour, and Min Young Kim and Sergeant Lee. So she's, she's got a really uh, interesting story as well. Um, and she's she's a lovely person, so I, I definitely would uh, would suggest you talk to her. All right. Well, let her know I want to talk. I'm always open for chatting. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again for coming on the show and taking the time out of uh, two days to talk to yeah. me <laughs> and working through the technological issues and being flexible. <laughs> thank you, Mike. Thank you for uh, taking the, your time to uh, to hear my story and to share it with your listeners. And uh, I I promise i'm getting into new york city and uh to the next aka event please do we're we're always welcoming all right thanks a lot thanks mike bye bye all right how was that how was that conversation that was crazy that's insane i mean I I, I want to reiterate, I think we throw around the word lucky a lot. Some people don't like that word. Uh, some people just have a negative connotation associated with it. However, I think in this very specific case, we can all agree that Cindy Burns really lucked out in many, many ways. Kind of insane. Just an insane story. Um, if you're in the Connecticut area, I encourage you to join the Connecticut Korean Adoptee Group. You can find them on Facebook. I've linked it in the show notes, so you can check that out there. Uh, she is the admin for that, so you can request to join uh, and participate in their events if you're in the area of Connecticut, Massachusetts, uh, New York. Okay? They do stuff all over the state. And again, if you're in that area of New York, New Jersey, you can always join in on AKA events as well. Again, to all my friends who are attending the gathering out in Korea, enjoy. Enjoy your time in Korea. If this is your first time in Korea, do some touristy stuff, okay? Don't just focus all on on the adoption stuff. Enjoy some touristy stuff. Enjoy meeting new people, enjoying Korean food. Uh, don't overdo it on the soju and the beer and the makgeolli, all right? Try some uh, good Korean food, cheap Korean food, okay? Because you can get, like, unlimited samgyeopsal for like twenty dollars <laughs> all right so check that out i hope you guys make a lot of new friends enjoy the social events out there don't overdo it there either everything in moderation don't burn the candle at both ends for the entire week you'll just burn yourself out and you won't even remember some of the trip i encourage you to have a great time but responsibly because that's what we're about on this show <laughs> it's responsibility okay 
Uh, I look forward to hearing more stories about uh, when you guys get back, and hopefully uh, you guys can share that with me. I'd love to, especially your first-timers who are heading back, I'd love to hear about it. Again, I want to reiterate that I have that uh, event with China's Children International coming up on August 11th at 7 p.m., that live stream conversation, because they are a disparate group. Not desperate, disparate. Like, they are spread out all over the place, and they connect online. Uh, So we're going to be doing a Google Hangout, and... uh, just stay tuned. Stay tuned to my uh, social media for the address. And you can also find them on social media as well. Uh, just look for them for China's Children International. All right. You can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Rambler ADHD. You can find me on Twitter at the Rambler ADHD. And you can always email me at the Rambler ADHD at gmail.com. Uh, I've been getting overloaded with a lot of stuff. So I, I apologize in advance if I haven't gotten back to you immediately but i swear i swear it is uh it's it's on the to-do list you guys your emails your connections are on the to-do list and i will get back to you as soon as i can i promise in the meanwhile music today is provided by the bell at needle drop records and a collective effort you can find their music on soundcloud join us next week when i have my conversation with the winner of specific asian america Kira Omens, amazingly talented Kira Omens in the DC area. So you guys get ready for that next week. In the meanwhile, have a great week. Enjoy the summer weather if you're in a place where it's not raining like it is here in New York. And uh, be cool to each other, everybody. Enjoy your week. I'll talk to you next week. Bye.